Okay, welcome back to Talk with Now podcast, and today we are talking theology again with uh, Pastor Alan Johnson. How are you today, Alan? I'm doing great, thanks. Good to be back. It's really good to have you back. Um, I wanted to bring you back on to this week, talk about the subject of Jesus. We've covered a lot of subjects so far, talked about the Bible, talking about that with Joe um, a lot. We talked about um, the subject of God. Don't think we've covered the Holy Spirit yet, but um, talked about the Bible, obviously, and church life, discipleship, a lot of different things. Today, I wanted to cover the subject of uh, Jesus, um, Jesus Christ. There are so, we just talked about this offline before we started this. There's just too much. I mean, you can make the you can make an entire podcast about the subject of Christ, subject of Jesus. I mean, we could go on for 20 episodes talking Absolutely. about this. Um, but in the context of this particular, where we are in this podcast, the very beginnings of it, um, only about six into this, the theology podcast, this will probably be on the regular talking now podcast, but the theology podcast that I do, this is only like the sixth version and I want to keep it broad and not too, um, I guess, uh, too specific i mean we'll get specific but not you know there's so much to cover it's like let's talk about the earth for you know 45 for 30 30 45 minutes you know okay you're gonna talk about everything about the earth you know um but as we know though the bible does make there's a lot of complex things that can be understood simplistically and a lot of simplistic things that can be understood you know, <laughs> with a lot of complexity. Uh, so anyway, without saying, without going any further on that, we'll just go ahead and start with the subject of Christ. And I don't know, there, I don't even know really, really where to start, except maybe we'll start at, um, I guess, may, let's start um, what we might say archaeologically or archaeologically or historically speaking that makes sense how about that where we just talk about what does history to an observable outsider say about who jesus was well um i mean we know about jesus from the bible which is itself a historical artifact uh much more than that but it is at the very least that and uh, we should certainly take it seriously. And that's, that's where we learn about Jesus. And of course, Jesus lived for a century, Palestine, uh, born in Bethlehem, lived in Nazareth, was active in Jerusalem, Capernaum, other cities that are historical places. And you read about Jesus, uh, especially in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are very uh, specific about places where Jesus was, where he lived, where he went, uh, very specific about uh, world rulers and regional powers and rulers at the time, uh, even, of course, famously uh, Pontius Pilate. And uh, so there's, there's plenty of uh, archaeological evidence for those towns, those places, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Of course, that's true for the Bible, even in the Old Testament, and, and places referred to, and some of which, by the way, were thought to be maybe uh, mythological or fictional, and later they find archaeological evidence 
that has a name on it uh, or that has you know some reference to someone on it. Uh, so yes, Jesus, uh, we know about him, of course, from the Bible, but the Bible is very specific where it places him in time, in geography. Right. Um, what about, um, I don't know if I've ever actually researched this myself. I feel like I may have heard about it, but do we have any um, non-biblical references to Jesus out there from some of the historical people of his time? Um, yeah, there, there are other references to him. And there's, of course, um, Josephus, the uh, first century Jewish historian that also writes, interestingly, about a lot of the events and people that the Bible describes. Josephus was not a Christian, but he, he, he lived and wrote about things that were going on, uh, including Pilate and others at that time. Uh, so there are references. And then, you know, uh, after the time of the Bible, uh, there are other references to the Christians, to Jesus. But uh, Josephus is a key uh, contemporaneous witness hmm. that uh, speaks of many of the same things. They're not necessarily the same details, or he includes other information the Bible doesn't. The Bible may include information he doesn't. Uh, but Josephus is a, a key uh, record for that reason. Mm -hmm. And Josephus, Josephus, was he a Jew? Yes, he was Jewish. Okay. But he was probably not in the, um, you know, the Bible. What do we hear always? talked about in the context of jesus's interactions sadducees pharisees he, he was none of, he was not in any of those classes was he no okay and I, and I guess there's probably not any commentary from any people in those ranks about jesus are there that we know of not that i'm aware of no. yeah that's it um that would be interesting if there if that could ever be uncovered just to see what they might have uh I don't know. They probably didn't want anybody to know about him after he was, after they had, you know, quote unquote, killed him. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Matthew at the end of his gospel talks about uh, the, the guards that were guarding the tomb when Jesus' resurrection occurred. And they were told to tell people his disciples came and, and steal his body. And Matthew, who himself was a Jew, who had come to believe in Jesus, was one of his disciples, one of the twelve. Uh, G, G, uh, rather, uh, Matthew says that that story was circulated among the Jews to this day, that Jesus' disciples had stolen Jesus' body. And it doesn't take a whole lot of thought about that to realize how implausible that was. The, not only would they have had to get past the Roman guard, which was there precisely for that reason, but they were uh, <laughs> quite traumatized by having seen Jesus crucified. And what they were doing was not trying to steal his body and create a hoax, but they were hiding in an upper room for fear they might be next. So it really, as a story, clearly doesn't hold water, but something had happened and they knew his body was gone. So they had to come up with some explanation. And, and so Matthew himself, a Jew, says that story was, was spread to explain yeah. the empty tomb. I, I just, uh, I was wondering if like maybe... I don't, I don't know how accurate Rome was with their, I know that they were a pretty organized operation, but I don't know if they had, may have had like execution records, you know, or things like that. Be, be, I'm sure they, it's long since gone, but it'd be curious to know if at some point, you know, there was a record of his going to Pontius Pilate and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I'd, I'm not aware that there's any specific Roman records about Jesus and his execution. Uh, yeah. 
course, uh, like I said, Josephus writes about Pilate. I think there's other references. Pilate and the Jews had a very rocky relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, Pilate didn't like them. And in fact, you, you, even in, in uh, the Gospels in John, you pick up on some of Pilate's testiness toward the Jews. You know, what I've written, I've written. Uh -huh. And they didn't like that he said Jesus, the king of the Jews, on the cross. You know, and, yeah. uh, you could tell Pilate was getting pretty fed up with the whole thing, and three times declares Jesus not guilty. I find no guilt in him, uh, and yet basically handed Jesus over uh, because, you know, things that they were saying and just didn't want to riot to get going. And, yeah. Uh, but but and it's very important that Jesus, before his execution, was three times declared not guilty, and Pilate does so, the official uh, legal representative there, and... Um, Yet, yet his irritation with the Jews is very clear in John 18, uh, where he interacts with them. Yeah, it's probably even from a legal, I imagine a legal standpoint, somebody that's into law, it probably um, gives a good picture of what the legal system of Rome looked like in that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and the Jews and the Sanhedrin and they're you know they're they're working all night and then going to Pilate because the Jews didn't have the power to execute, mm -hmm. and uh, so they needed Pilate's help. So all that's you know very interesting. And of course, you know our contention as believers is that Jesus was sinless. The Bible is very clear about that. Right. He was tempted yet didn't sin, and it is important that before he was executed, he was declared not guilty. Now, that's not the same thing as sinless. Pilate was saying more than he knew when he declared Jesus to be not guilty. Uh, he just meant, I find no reason to execute him, mm -hmm. that Jesus was not guilty in an absolute sense, that, that you and I are not, you know, being utterly sinless. Right. And that's, I think that's cool, though, in a lot of ways that, because um, to me, the Bible's testi testifying that, hey, here we have somebody that is, he's neither a Jew nor Gentile, or, I mean, I guess he would be a Gentile, but he's neither a Gentile. Jew nor anybody that, a, a disciple of Jesus, or anybody that has any particular interest in who Jesus was. If anything, he found him probably an annoyance. Um, and that they, that he, God uses Pilate almost as a neutral figure in the, in the, um, you know, Right. Well, he represented the government, the legal system. You know, he, he didn't have a dog in the fight as far as Jesus was concerned. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he didn't like the Jews and he, you know, he put Jesus in front of them, says, behold, your king. You know, he, he was goading them, uh, provoking <laughs> them. And, and of course, they say, you know, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar's, which was apparently some sort of designation that would question Pilate's loyalty to Caesar. And I think that kind of, that was kind of a, they landed a blow on Pilate with that uh -huh. one. It may, may have been something that finally pushed Pilate toward it, handing Jesus over to them. In fact, he even offered them uh, you know, to release Jesus, but they wanted Barabbas instead. So he hands Jesus over to be crucified. Mm -hmm. My pictures of, of that whole scene, I don't know why the, I think this is the old movie, um, King of Kings, maybe. That I don't know if you ever saw that one. Not um, sure I have. Yeah, King of Kings is like I can't remember. I think I believe Charlton Heston is in it and plays. Um, uh, I think he plays John the Baptist. It's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting replaying of the gospel. I mean, it's probably not very. From what I remember watching, it's not. Um, it's not. Certainly not more often you would see in a modern movie. I mean, it was. It had some of the 
the basics down like of it that it was interesting to watch because it kind of get i watched it to get the context of how things might have looked back then right. so to speak you know right but, and i think um, I, and i'm always struck by that when in any movie read the book see the movie you know you kind of imagine what it looks like in your mind and they have to actually create it you know, right create it you know in a historical movie accurately which can be helpful in kind of giving you a sense of, of what it might really have looked like yeah yeah really. absolutely yeah well, there's a really interesting part where um, there's like three different movies. I'm probably conflating and <laughs> melting here, but there's one part where Jesus is visiting the rich young ruler. And just to have a visual of what that might have looked like was interesting to see in itself. Um, but not to get too far, but let's go back a little bit. Um, Christ's birth um, in... So, okay, let me start with this weird question here, because I've always kind of wondered about this. Before Christ was born and before we created, before Rome decided that this is how we are going to do our modern calendar, what year was it? <laughs> you know, what time period was this in Roman history? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure they would have said, well, it's 4 BC. Right. You know, three <laughs> B uh, what's BC? No, I don't know. You know, oh, okay. I, yeah, they they uh, they had their own reckonings, and I I really don't know what they were. Of course, now we we reckon from around that time. From what I've read, Jesus probably interestingly was born around four BC or so. Um, yeah, even, even Jesus was born before Christ, apparently by just a few years, but close <laughs> enough. Uh, but I don't know how they would have. Oh, okay. Been, yeah. Uh, at that time. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, I, I assume that the Jews probably had a different calendar than the Romans did. Yeah, I would probably. think so. But I'm not sure what year they would say it was or you know, right, kind of right. Or from, from counting from what, you know, right. as we count now from, from Jesus, even if you change it from A.D. Anno Domini to, uh, you know, the common era, C.E., right. it could also be Christian era. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's, you, the, the number 2022 is still, you know, in, in relationship to when Jesus lived. Yeah, absolutely. That's so. hilarious in a lot of ways when you think about it. Because um, correct me if I'm wrong, was it the Roman church that, that decided this was going to be our calendar that we use and we based it off that period? Um, honestly, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> okay, that'd be a good thing for me to research sometime. But anyway, um, yeah. um, so well, Christ, a, the, the terms Julian calendar and Gregorian calendar come to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that's the terms, but uh, in the biblical sense, though, um, we read the Old Testament right, um, and we don't really have time to go into all the. Me and Joe have gone in a little bit of that, but you're you're it's getting prophesized throughout the Old Testament from sure. Genesis one, all the way to Malachi, um, etc. That Christ, there will be a Christ, and He will come back. Um, I assume, because I'm no biblical scholar, that um, the word Jesus is not referred to in the Old Testament, is it? Um, I don't know. Close, though. Not, not specifically. Of course, Jesus okay. or Jesus uh, is a Greek name that actually uh, means Savior or, or He saves, okay. God saves. And it is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua. Ah. so i mean it's effectively jesus is the greek 
form of the name Joshua. Um, so in that sense, yes, it is in the hmm. in the Old Testament. Uh, Joshua meaning saves, Lord saves. Um, so yeah, different languages, but the same idea. And you'll remember right. that uh, that the angel told told Joseph, give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Ah, excellent. Yeah. And uh, yeah. That, that, that's a good I, it's just that was literally a thought that just came to my mind if it was actually ever uttered in the old testament of course they weren't speaking greek in you know the old testament so right you know yeah. um yeah. well and you mentioned all of the prophecies and and we talk about jesus you know you do find the record of his life and ministry in matthew mark luke and john mm -hmm. but you know it's also fair to say that the entire bible is about jesus it, mm -hmm. it points to jesus it's always remarkable uh, to read in Luke 24, Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. He's walking with these two guys who, you know, telling Jesus what happened, how he was crucified, and they'd hoped that he was the Messiah. And it says that Jesus, you know, began with Moses and the prophets and began to show him in the, in the Old Testament scriptures, all the things taught concerning himself. Um, so, you know, as we come to the Bible, if we're talking about Jesus, we, we come to the Bible understanding that, uh, you know, while, while he's front and center, specifically in those Gospels, the whole Old Testament is preparing the way and pointing forward. Um, and then Acts, of course, is the, the early days of the New Testament church. The, uh, the letters in the New Testament are, are explaining and applying Jesus' life, death, resurrection, uh, ascension, pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So, and then Revelation, of course, is about uh, you know, the end and, and, and the, the Lord's return and ending with the new heavens and the new earth and the completion of the whole work of salvation. So, you know, there's, it's kind of a trick question. You say, where, where would I go in the Bible to read about Jesus? And the answer is <laughs> anywhere. Any and everywhere. Okay, um, yeah, some yeah. more directly and more obviously than others, but right. even passages that simply show human sin you know, and our fallenness and, and the pain and the destruction and harm that that does is showing the need for Jesus and the mm -hmm. need for the Messiah, the Savior to come. Uh, historically, the Old Testament ended, I forget, is it 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Yeah, about 400 years, intertestamental okay. period. Okay, yeah. So what was the church, not the church, but the Jewish church i guess you would say what was what were they up to between old testament ending and jesus coming back what was the jewish church that's probably not the right way to say it what was the you know community of what were they doing during that period well there was a lot going on there was the uh the the maccabean uh revolt with the maccabees and a great suffering among the jews um one of the uh great developments from the Old Testament into the New was the development of the synagogue system mm. to preserve uh, and teach you know, and Jews would meet. Of course, the temple was uh, was there and they were, were offering sacrifices, but the development of the synagogue system and meeting for worship, teaching of the scriptures. And uh, of course, we read about Jesus, you know, going to the synagogue, reading, you know, reading the, the, the book of Isaiah and uh, these words are fulfilled in your hearing pointing, you know, they point to Jesus. And so all of that developed and was in play by the time Jesus came along. Of course, AD 70, the temple is destroyed. 
And it's the synagogues that continued even up to the present day. We refer to Jewish synagogues. And mm-hmm. um, so that developed in that, in that time period uh, as well. There was, there was, you know, the Bible's quiet, but there was a lot of history going on during that time. Then when we open our Bibles in Matthew, um, you know, with, with Jesus' birth, with John the Baptist, um, well, I would say John is uh, the last of the Old Testament prophets in the sense of the great prophets. We find them in the New Testament, but he's that final prophet who, who, who doesn't just say the Messiah is coming, but he has the privilege of saying the Messiah is here. Here he is. You know, so, but yeah, there was, there was a lot going on in those 400 years or so between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New. There's a lot of world history uh, development of the Roman Empire, uh, things going on with Rome. Uh, like I said, the Maccabean uh, revolt, and um, a lot going on. Yep. Well, that's interesting because, you know, I, I, I didn't even know that whole 400 year period until several years ago, like maybe during college, I found that out. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of astonishing in some ways because you think about that's, that's a long period of history right there between, sure. you know, um, the end of the some old- of the apocryphal books, you know, deal with that Maccabees, they deal with some of that. And we would not, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as Protestants consider those to be inspired books, but they are interesting as historical artifacts and, and uh, historical books about things going on in that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, in our in our in our Protestant Bibles, we we turn the page Malachi to Matthew and cover right. it just like that. But um, yeah, some of the apocryphal books do deal with events in that in that time period. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's um, anyway. Um, it, it's interesting the context. It's almost like to me, um, we as a church need a little bit of a, or at least from what I see from you as a pastor and other pastors that I listen to, it's almost like we're having to constantly get a primer of the context in which Jesus arrives into this world, you know? Yeah. And that's important because Christianity is certainly an idea of idea or a religion of ideas and theology, but at its very foundation, Christianity is about history and what, what God did in history. We are saved not by you know living by Jesus' ethical teaching or by having the right ideas in our mind, but we were saved by the fact that the Son of God was born into this world, became incarnate or in flesh, truly God, truly man, and lived in perfect obedience to the law of God, went to the cross, died, you know, awful physical suffering, but the real suffering was that he was the Lamb of God dying under the curse and judgment of God, the wrath of God, bearing sins of everyone who would ever believe in him mm-hmm. and uh and rose from the dead i mean it's, it's like the apostle paul said in first corinthians you know christ is not risen then my our preaching is in vain your faith is in vain you know no matter what good ideas christianity may have or a wonderful ethical system to live by you know jesus died and was never raised you know we might as well you know go out and go out and have fun and live it up till we die. And Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15. So knowing the history is, is helpful and important because Christianity is about what God did to save sinners in history 2,000 years ago. It's kind of amazing, too, when you think about, because God is not, he is outside of our time frame. Sure. He's outside of our context of what time is, even. And 
it's interesting that <laughs> i guess the philosophical question of what is time that god chose that time in the way that we know it to bring christ into this world and then you know die and come back from um death and you know go about the world and then you know be risen up to heaven in acts and and then he's currently there and then one day coming back that's kind of um where we are but it's interesting how you know we'll never know why i guess but uh the the wise or or the context in which god decides to do these things um you right. know, go, so yeah paul says in galatians 4 in the fullness of time god set, sent forth his son born of mm -hmm. a woman born under the law in the fullness of time you know i think mainly meaning you know, at God's appointed time, after all the preparation of the Old Testament and everything, you know, had occurred, God had, had decreed should occur, then at the right time, Jesus was born. Of course, God is, is outside of time. Time is part of his creation, part of this universe in which we live. Uh, I, I once heard someone define time as that which keeps everything from happening all at once which has occurred to me a few times, or felt like a few times in my life that it's not working very well because everything <laughs> seems to want to happen, you know, at once. But, um, but yeah, time and, and God is an interesting study and discussion, but he is above time, outside of time. He does not experience the, the passing of time and with that aging the way that you and I do. But, but at the same time, he, no pun intended, he is able to um, interact in our world at different times as we experience it, you know. So, so Paul's quote, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. So he, his timelessness or his above time doesn't mean that he's incapable of coming in and interacting with us. Right. In the created world. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And um, like I said, I'm trying to keep this. It's, it's such a long, so we've, hit, we've already hit on things that we could talk about for 30 minutes at a time. Um, but I um, think about Jesus. Okay, so born in Bethlehem. We didn't even talk about that yet. Born in Bethlehem yeah. to Mary. Um, I mean, go read go read the book of John if you don't know what I'm talking about, people. <laughs> but Luke, uh, Luke 2, Matthew 1. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I guess maybe uh, we'll do this briefly. Less, you know, give the less than five, three, four-minute uh, version, if sure. you will. Um, the context in which Jesus is born into the world, you know, and, and leading up to, I guess, what happened up until we see him as a 12 year old in the temple. You know what I mean? Right. So what was, um, so what happened up as he was brought into the world, basically? Well, of course that was uh, prophesied. Uh, uh, Micah five says, and you out of you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah will come one will be you know, ruler plans of Judah uh, prophesying some 700 years before, even the very town Bethlehem, in which Jesus would be born. It's interesting in John chapter 7, people are arguing and debating among themselves about Jesus. Of course, Jesus is known as, as Jesus of Nazareth. Even today, he's referred to that way as mm -hmm. a Nazarene. And he did live. He grew up in Nazareth. That's where uh, uh, Joseph and Mary lived. But he, of course, was born in Bethlehem. They'd gone there for a special census and taxation. And they went back to Nazareth, went down to Egypt, and went back to Nazareth in Galilee in the north of, of Israel. And the people in John 7 are arguing 
you know, look into it, you'll see that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. He's not, he doesn't come from Galilee. You know, well, they, they didn't quite know enough. Yes, Jesus was associated with Nazareth, but he was, in fact, born in the city of David, born in, in, in Bethlehem. Uh, yeah, there's not too much um, information. Uh, Matthew 1, Luke, Matthew uh, 2, where Herod's out to kill Jesus, and he kills the baby boys of Bethlehem. Uh, he's trying to get Jesus along the way. Uh, Luke 2, of course, we Luke 1, Luke 2, uh, often read at Christmas time. And then you get Jesus in the temple, you know, in Jerusalem when he's 12. Right. But that's the only, the only glimpse we get of him until he comes on the scene in his public ministry, sometime maybe around 30 years of age or so. Yeah, and that's interesting because, um, yeah, and there's plenty of verses, too, that talk about how he was basically grown grown up like any uh, typical Jewish boy of the time, and his mm -hmm. parents grew him grew him they raised him to be you know i guess your typical um fine upstanding jewish young man if you will sure. and then and then he comes along at around age 30 right and that's where um we pick up on where he his ministry starts if you will right right, right. and then he meets yeah, uh, and mark of course mark just starts with you know mark chapter one just starts with his public ministry john the baptist and jesus uh, and John is 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 uh, more abstract. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Yeah, John mm -hmm. one fourteen. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So John approaches Jesus' birth very theologically. You know, Matthew and Luke emphasize the events. John is on the theology of the Word taking on flesh and revealing the glory, seeing His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, and then picks up with Jesus calling His disciples. So, right. Uh, yeah, so it, it's, yeah, a, a great, uh, great wealth that we have about the incarnation and birth of Jesus, and yet, you know, we always want to know what was he like growing up. I've sometimes pondered, because of course, Jesus had uh, other siblings, brothers and sisters, and, you know, what was it like growing up with a brother, their big brother, who was sinless, you know, but the Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't go there, because that's not really something we need to know as far as our salvation, which is really what the Bible is more concerned about. Who is mm -hmm. Jesus? Why should we believe in him as our Savior? Mm -hmm. And I think that um, for those listening that may not understand, I guess, um, to me, as I look at it, Christ is something that a lot of times a non-believer, and, you know, Jesus, to me, is one of the few things about Christianity that many people don't say bad things about. Um, they'll, they'll say bad things about God, oddly enough. <laughs> they'll, say, they'll say bad things about the religion of Christianity, you know, altogether, certainly its followers. But you don't really hear many people badmouth Jesus. And um, I think that speaks to his integrity that is shown in the Bible. I think you're right. I, and I think, um, you know, if someone's not familiar with the Bible, or maybe even has a, a negative view of the church or Christianity, I would just encourage you to go and, and take the Gospel of John or take the Gospel of Luke or, or mm -hmm. even Mark. Uh, Mark is pretty fast paced. It's a good one. It's shortest. Uh, but any of them, Matthew and, and read, because a lot of people, you know, when they encounter Jesus in the Bible, regardless of preconceptions about him or dislike of the church, you know, they, they read of Jesus and this guy's amazing. You know, right. he's maybe not quite what they were expecting. <laughs> yeah. 
Jesus, for example, yeah. Jesus is very gentle toward people in their sin, and he reserves some of his harshest and most scathing criticism for the religious leaders in their self-righteousness mm. and hypocrisy, which is something many people take Christians in the church to task for even today. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus was there before them. Yeah, Matthew 23, he just pronounces judgment and judgment on the Pharisees for their hypocrisy and their self-righteousness. And uh, so some people are pretty surprised when they're introduced to the Jesus of Scripture. Right. Yeah, no kidding. I think it's kind of like when some people have prejudgments about a certain whatever. Maybe they have prejudgment about a political philosophy or they have a prejudgment about a um, type of person or somebody they know or something. But a lot of times you really don't understand until you actually get in there and see what they say and what they, uh, as opposed to what others say about it right. or them. Yeah, and we may have an impression of a person, you know, until we meet them and talk with them and that impression may be changed. And I think that uh-huh. is often true with people when they actually meet Jesus in the Bible. Now to be sure, he's holy, he's sinless. You know, he calls sin, sin. But it's like uh, John 3.17 says, everybody knows John 3.16, John 3.17 says, for the you know, son did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Mm-hmm. And that was Jesus' concern, was to be a, a physician of souls, to heal people who were sick with their sins, sick with their guilt, you know, alienated from God. Um, and Jesus is very compassionate toward those, those people, and people like you and me and our sins who need to be uh, reconciled to God. But, but those who really should have known better and use their power to serve themselves and, and, and oppress others in various ways, Jesus had harsh words. I mean, he, he would save them too, you know, were they to come to him as one like Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus and apparently became a believer and a disciple. But, um, but yeah, and their self-righteousness, Jesus was pretty hard on the religious leaders of his day. Hmm. Well, we got about uh, four minutes here before we close it, but I think that before we close out here, um, mm-hmm. a couple of points that I've, you'd probably agree with me on that I just want to point out too, is that um, I've noticed there's a trend in modern days, we'll say the last 20 so years, where people will say, um that if Jesus didn't say specifically X, Y, Z, then I don't follow that. You know what I mean? Um, Like, you know, name your sin or name your whatever thing that, you know, whatever it might be. I I know the one popular one is um, we won't go into the subject of homosexuality, but that some people say that Jesus didn't really talk about homosexuality that much. Um, Sure. And that's one, just one example. I mean, you could even talk about, um, you know, maybe capital punishment, you know, modern day things that uh, we argue about and, right. and talk about. They'll say things like, well, Jesus didn't talk about this. And and my argument is always, well, you don't understand who Jesus is. <laughs> you don't understand who he was because <laughs> Jesus is on board with every single thing that God is on board with. Right. Well, and, you know, um, there's an interesting story in how I met my wife with red letter Bibles with the words of Jesus in red, but it kind of had to do with my contention that the whole Bible is Jesus' words. The whole Bible is the word of God. And, you know, Jesus held a very high view of scripture. In fact, in Matthew 4, where he's led by the spirit in the wilderness, is tempted by Satan. 
Satan comes with these temptations, and every time Jesus says, it is written, and then he quotes from the Old Testament as authoritative. Now, you know, I've sometimes uh, you know, thought Jesus could have just said, well, as I said in Deuteronomy. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus didn't say something new. He went back to Scripture. So Jesus himself had a high view of what the Bible taught in other places. You know, a man does not live on, on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But three times he answers Satan, it is written, and he quotes from the Old Testament scripture. Hmm. So, you know, if you're going to say, well, I just believe what Jesus believes and disregard the rest of the Bible, well, Jesus didn't disregard the rest of the Bible. Jesus quoted the Bible, the Old Testament, his Bible at that time, as authoritative to be heeded, to be obeyed. And it's kind of shutting off the, the argument. So, you know, if you want to, if you want to be where Jesus is, you need to take the entire Bible seriously. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do need to close it out, but I think um, we didn't cover enough. <laughs> <Are you> sure? <laughs> and uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll pick it up again some time because I think it's just too, the subject of Christ is too, um, you know, weighty and too important not to cover a few different times, maybe three, maybe we'll make it a trilogy about Jesus. Um, trilogy. That's an exciting. <laughs> uh, just because um, I, well, I think lastly, the last point I make is that people need to keep in mind that um, Jesus is a living being right now. He's not dead. He's living in the flesh in heaven right now. And when we talk about Jesus, we're not as Christians, we're not talking about him in the past. We're talking about him now who we believe in. So anyways, that's, I think, um, important thing. Well, Alan, thanks for uh, joining me and we'll pick it up again soon. <laughs> okay. It's been a pleasure, Gene. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Yep.